Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Man, I hope I have enough time for this. Let me be honest. I'm still not exactly sure what the hell I saw last night between the Steelers, the Bears, and the refs. Now, I know for the most part, it was not good what I saw. And yes, Tony Corrente's crew was every bit a part of that story too, unfortunately. And yes, if I know a referee's name, if I mention a referee's name, that's never a good thing. We know this. Because when you take a touchdown off the board for flagging a dude for a block that did not appear to be illegal, and that's still not your worst call of the game, then yes, you are a part of the conversation. T. Now, mind you, Bears fan, the refs are not the reason you lost that game. One of the reasons, I'll give you that, but not the reason you lost that game. You lost that game because you were still one of the most undisciplined, poorly coached teams ever. And what's that say about Matt Nagy? That the week he returns to the sideline, they still implode. That they were actually better when he was in COVID protocol than when he came out. You know you have the wrong head coach when your team plays better without you than with you. Right? Put that aside for a minute. Back to the refs. Yes, Bears fan, they jammed you hard. However, how mad can you be at the refs if your own guys can't even line up properly? If they can't even line up onside correctly? Several times. Just saying. Like, that first half was something else, right? That first half was unlike any half of football I've seen in quite some time. The first half was a tough match. I mean, the entire game was, don't get me wrong, flag after flag after flag. But at least there were finally some moments in the second half. There were some moments and there was some juice to go along with all that And that's because the Bears' offense finally started to show some life. Justin Fields finally started to get loose in the third quarter. The Phenom hit Marquise Goodwin for a 50-yard pass play to put the Bears into scoring position. And then a few plays later, he found Jimmy Graham in the end zone. Fields rolls to the right, wants to throw, throws for the end zone. It is caught by Jimmy Graham, who drags his feet. It's a touchdown. But hold on, there's a flag. Number 68, offense. 15-yard penalty. Repeat, second down. He doesn't even touch T.J. Watt. T.J. Watt hurdles it and gets over the top of the chop block, so I don't know where the penalty is. Oh. Unfortunately, just as Fields was getting loose, the refs were as well. They found their flag again, and they did call James Daniels for that 15-yard illegal block on T.J. Watt. Problem was, Watt appeared to be inside the tight end box, which would mean it should not have been called. The other part of that, I don't think that Daniels even touched Watt. Either way, a direct junk shot from T and his crew to the Bears' collective package. Tack on a late hit on fields that was not called. Yeah, I know, weird. And they've got to settle for a field goal. And then they trail 14-6 instead of 14-10. Big Ben and the Steelers then make it a 14-point lead for the second time in the game when he finds his rookie tight end for the score later in the third. Roethlisberger from the shotgun throwing for the right side of the end zone. It is caught by Friermuth. It's a touchdown. Twisting around Kendall Vildor to pull it away. And the Steelers go up 20-6. All right, so they're up 14 points, right? He pulls it away, so a two-touchdown two touchdown lead means that they put it away, right? <clears throat> you see, no lead is safe with the Steelers these days. And if you thought that was going to end that Fields kid, you thought wrong. Here's the thing, Chicago. As poorly coached as you are, as undisciplined as your team is, this is something to be ecstatic about. I mean, this kid showed moxie. It's a good word, moxie. And it describes that guy perfectly. Moxie. And he's got boatloads. This dude is electric 
fourth quarter, game on the line, big stage, prime time, and Fields just gets better and better. He takes his team on a six-play, 82-yard drive that ends with this Darnell Mooney Wildcat score. Gets the shotgun snap and hands it off. It's Mooney sweeping left side to the five, and Mooney over the left side into the end zone for the touchdown. Darnell Mooney. All right, then. Bears within a touch. The following drive, the Bears' Jalen Johnson gets called for another questionable call. And then there's Chris Boswell to make it a 10-point game with a field goal. But the Steelers can't capitalize. Like I said, no lead is safe with these guys. They can't capitalize when they get Jakeem Grant's fumble on the kickoff return. And then after forcing the Bears to a three and out on the ensuing possession, then they embrace their inner special teams suck. Ray Ray McLeod fielding the punt at the 20-yard line. The ball popping out at the end of the play. It's scooped up by the Bears. Uh DeAndre Houston Carson all the way in Uh for the touchdown. Like I said, for a third time, no lead is safe with the Steelers. And seriously, you know, just to this other part of the listening audience, Steelers betting fan, how pissed were you at that point? You've got the ball with around six and a half left in the game. You're up by 10. Now you're only up by three, and your six and a half for seven-point spread is looking pretty bleak. I mean, let's always remember, we're all watching a different game, right? We're all watching the same game, but many of us are watching a different game. Am I right, Steeler betting fan? But at this point, you start to wonder, like the refs, they've taken a few possessions off from making terrible calls. Were they jonesing to reinsert themselves back into the game? Must be because that's exactly what they did. Am I right, Cassius Marsh? Amanda. Marsh. Signed earlier this week, going against his former team, steps the hell up, makes an enormous play when he sacks Roethlisberger on third down, forcing the punt, he gets up, he embraces his inner Dalton from Roadhouse with a spinning kick. And as he's jogging back, he brushes, you guessed it, the same ref, Tony Corrente. T throws a flag for the worst rule in football, taunting. Complete BS. Apparently, Dalton, Cassius, looked over at the Steeler bench the wrong way. So now Chicago wants, all of Chicago, I should say, wants to give Corrente and his crew them hands or them spinning karate kick that Cassius Dalton just threw. Bears fan, I feel you. Like I said, the refs are not the reason you lost that game. Bad coaching and undisciplined play is the reason you lost that game. But man, they did not help. They did not help. I know why you were seeing red. This whole thing about there is an emphasis on taunting. Yeah, too bad. Too bad because that is a really, really dumb thing to emphasize. That is a dumb rule. That is a bad call. This dude did not taunt the Steelers bench or sideline. I mean, that was just asinine all the way around. It's not making the game better. It's making the game so much worse. So the Steelers get to stay on the field, extend the drive, and they take a 26-20 lead after another Boswell field goal. But the kid was not done. This dude growing up right before your eyes, Chicago. On a big third down, he finds Allen Robinson for 39 yards. He then scrambles to his left. He lobs this haymaker right at the Steelers' trachea. Fields, flushed, rolls left, throws for the end zone. It is caught. It is caught by Darnell Mooney, and he's in for the touchdown. He drug both feet in the back left corner of the end zone. Fields on the roll, found Mooney for six. This game is tied. Actually pretty amazing. Pretty amazing, especially given the team we're talking about. Brass as hell from the rookie. The Bears make the extra point, and now they're up 27-26 for the fourth time. No Steeler lead is safe. Not even a 14-point lead in the fourth. And mind you, Pittsburgh did struggle in coverage in the second half, but give the kid credit. He found the openings. He exploited them. This guy was impressive. He was gritty. He was gutty. Bears fan, you have to love that. This guy was getting punched in the face 
by the Steelers defense the entire first half. He threw for just 63 yards in that first half. He had an INT, but then he bounces back in the second half, throwing for over 200 yards and that touchdown. What I'm saying is this cat is a gamer, a gamer. And again, that's against the Steelers defense and not the Lions. Sorry, Detroit, but you know it's true. Back to this game and the clock. The clock. They left some time on the clock, didn't they? 146. So, yeah, that was not over yet. And I know that I should give Big Ben more credit for the game-winning drive, but that noodler was dinking and dunking, and the Bears were giving him all sorts of help with their incredibly undisciplined play when it mattered most. Not one, but two more offsides penalties on that final drive. I mean, for real. Robert Quinn? May need to get his eyes checked. My man was defording it when they could least afford it. Am I right? Big head. Are you still pissed about that big head? Then after the Bears went Bears at the line of scrimmage, they did it in coverage as well because then Ben found a wide ass open Deontay Johnson for a 22-yard gain, putting them in field goal range. I mean, seriously, Chicago. The hell was going on on that play? And then finally, after Ben could not lumber that 260-pound body of his a few more inches on third down, Boswell came in and did what Boswell does. Boswell to kick on the way. Curving good from 40 yards out. And the Pittsburgh Steelers take a 29-27 lead. Yeah, because that guy was going to miss that kick. Sure he wasn't. Cold-blooded. Yeah, the Bears did line up for a desperation long field goal in the end. The ball did not touch the uprights, and it was over. Big Ben gets credit for his 50th, 50th career game-winning drive. Fields still sitting on zero. Man, what a gut punch for the Bears. A game they should have won. A game they could have won and should have won. And, well, then again, how are they going to do that? With that guy coaching that team and that team's lack of basic discipline and a basic grasp of basic football fundamentals. Get it, coach. If you're like me, your weekend plans include kicking back and watching live sports, and it doesn't matter what sport you're watching. It's always fun to have a little bit of action, right? Personally, I am checking out. Week 10 action involving Seattle and Green Bay. This is why I recommend downloading the WinBet app right away. Whether you're a recreational player or a serious handicapper, WinBet is your ticket to every exciting wager from straight bets to parlays, teasers, and any exotic prop wager you can think of. The app is so easy to use. Everybody knows that Win is one of the biggest and best brands in the gaming industry. So get off the sidelines and join in on the action. This is why I recommend downloading the WinBet app right away. Download the WinBet app on Google Play or the Apple App Store today. Put yourself in the game. Win with WinBet. Terms and conditions at winbet.com. You do have to be 21 or older and present in the state where playthrough WinBet is available. If you or somebody you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Another big challenge coming up this weekend when Purdue is at Ohio State. Jeff Brom is their head coach. He joins us right now. Jeff, it's great to have you back. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. You did it again, Jeff. Another huge win and an upset over a top-five opponent in Michigan State. I understand that you're going to keep everybody focused, but what is the vibe like on campus, and what's it like around the program right now? Without question, it was a huge win for our program and our fans, and they've really been showing out all year, and it's been great to finally pull off a big win at home. I know we had one on the road a couple weeks ago, but our guys work hard. They're hungry. This is a blue-collar campus, a lot of hardworking people that just want to go out there and and showcase what they're all about. And fortunately for us, we've been able to come through here the last month in a couple big games, and that's just huge for our team and our program. That's right. Jeff Brom joining us. I wanted to ask you about that fact that you did come through in a couple of enormous games. Like, I understand you're focused on the next challenge in Ohio State, which we'll get to in a moment. But the fact is, you have had a lot of success against top-ranked teams. It's almost like, Jeff, you and the staff and the players have a knack for winning those types of games. My question then is, how do you explain that? For instance, is it just a matter of being more aggressive and being more more willing to take more chances against a dangerous opponent than maybe others in that situation might be willing to take? How do you explain it? 
that's part of it. You know, there's a couple things that go to, go into it. I think our guys, uh, like I said, are really a hard-working group. And, uh, you know, anytime you get a chance to play the schedule we do, we normally play 11 Power 5 teams every year. You're going to have an opportunity to, to showcase what you're about against some really good teams. So, you know, that's always present every year. So it gives us that chance. I think that uh, we, we do like to play aggressive. And uh, we've kind of gotten where we're a little more aggressive on uh, all segments now, special teams, defense, and offense. That has helped us moving forward. And, Thirdly, I think, you know, we have the ability to throw the football. That's kind of been a strength of ours uh, while, uh, while we want to get better running the ball, and that's a goal. You know, some of these games where you're able to throw the football and be aggressive and take shots and win one-on-one matchups, you're going to have a chance to win. And I think, uh, you know, we were executing at a high level this past Saturday. We threw for a lot of yards. Our receivers and quarterbacks and the line did a really good job. And it was just one of those games where the matchup fit us. Uh, and the fact that we control the football around the yard really benefits us. Purdue head football coach Jeff Brom joining us. I was going to say, and you beat me to it, I was going to say it's one thing to have a certain philosophy or an aggressive approach, and of course it helps when your best players play their best on the biggest stage. Quarterback Aiden O'Connell had an enormous game against Michigan State. He threw for over 500 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. I know you have high expectations for him. You hold him to a pretty high standard, but has he ever played at a higher level for you than he is right now? Uh, he was outstanding on Saturday, without question. Uh, this is a young man who says a walk-on. Really, nobody wanted him, and uh, he's worked his way into the starting role. Uh, you know, really, we didn't know how good he was going to be for a couple of years. We had about three or four quarterbacks go down. We had to put him in. He actually played above our expectations. He had a lot of poise, had a lot of composure, uh, and he's just a really young man of great faith. Uh, cares about his teammates and all of his players. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we played three quarterbacks in a game, and uh, while all guys want to play. You know, we're we're trying to beat Iowa, and he suggests some plays on the sideline for the other quarterbacks to go in. So that's just the type of person he is. He's unselfish. Uh, we have a really good quarterback room, but all the credit goes to him and his upbringing. And uh, you know, I just uh, I'm thankful that uh, you know he's gotten to this point because really he's progressed at a level that we didn't see. You know, Jeff, I'm curious. You made the point that we are a blue collar team and we're about the right stuff, and the team works really, really hard. I'm curious after a big win like that, and it's your second really enormous win in not so many weeks. Are you looking to see the way the team reacts? As an example, when they come back in after they've had a little bit of time to celebrate and enjoy what they accomplished, are you looking at their body language? Are you looking at their attitude? Are you looking at their energy to make sure that they're right back at it, or do you not even need to with this group? Well, we talk about it quite a bit, even throughout the year, that uh, really we don't have a whole lot of slogans. The main thing we do believe in is it's a one-game season. And, uh, you know, I tell our guys all the time, whether you win the week before or whether you lose, we got to come back and win. So you got to be able to handle adverse situations. You got to be able to handle the good situations. You know, we've had some experience here where we beat Ohio State three years ago. We lost the next week. We had some situation this week. We beat at we won that hour. We lost the next week. Uh, so sometimes that's going to happen, and uh, you try to keep that same hunger, that same uh, work ethic, that same desire to want to improve on the small things. But some of it too is who are you playing the next week. So for example, we got Ohio State this week at their place. Uh, that's just going to be a tough matchup, and uh, they're really talented, well-coached, and uh, we're going to have to play even better to have a chance to win. I will ask you about that matchup before you go. I've got to talk to you about the most amazing product, my X-Chair. <laughs> my X-Chair is insane. I mean, it's incredible. I never actually look forward to getting to the office to sit in my office chair until I got my X-Chair. As an example, can your current office chair give you a massage while you're working? My X-Chair can. Can your current office chair heat up or cool down? My X-Chair can. And it's all in the LMAX Massage and Temperature Regulation, exclusively designed and made for X-Chair. I'm talking crazy technology with my X-Chair. And once you feel the customized support of X-Chair's patented dynamic variable lumbar or DVL, your back will never be happy in any other chair again. Take my advice. Try X-Chair for yourself, risk-free for 30 days. Once you realize how much better your chair should be, you will never go back. Trust that. Go to xchairrome.com. That is the letter X, chair, R-O-M-E dot com or call 1-844-4X-CHAIR for 100 bucks off your order. X-CHAIR has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort and you can finance your purchase for as little as $30 a month. That's xchairrome.com, xchairrome.com. 
Jeff Brom is joining us, Purdue head football coach. You know, to the point you just made, as the head coach, what concerns you more? How your team deals with success or how your team deals with adversity? For instance, how it deals with everybody telling them how amazing they are versus how everybody is ripping into them when things don't go well on social media. Well, they're both important. I do think that uh, you always uh, want to have the pulse of your team. And uh, adverse situations are always tougher because sometimes guys get down, they lose confidence, they don't believe in themselves, they listen to all the words and rhetoric that are said, uh, and, and it's normally not as bad as you think. Uh, so that's always the thing you worry about is just making sure your guys still believe and have that confidence and they're able to work through that. But, yes, when you win, you've still got to be able to keep that same hunger and work ethic and uh, desire to want to be great and understand that, doesn't just happen you know not at a competitive level of college football you, you've got to play uh, your best uh, a lot of times when you win the, the bar has to be raised the next week and, and we talk about that is trying to raise the bar trying to uh, play your best every single week and it doesn't matter what happens the week before you know everyone's going to expect you to win so it's kind of a, just a, a fine line you got to bring up and talk about and approach it with our guys but I just think that our guys work hard and because you know, we don't get too up or down. I think we'll always have a chance. So, Jeff, we're talking about young athletes, right? They understand what's expected of them, and you recruit a certain type of person and a quality of person, but, man, that's a meat grinder, right? Like you just said, you got to raise the bar every single week when you're coming off a really, really emotional win where they expended so much energy and so much emotion, and now they've got to get back up for another great challenge. Now, I understand that's an amazing opportunity, one that you might remember the rest of your life, but we're talking about young athletes. How do you go about making sure they continue to find a way to raise that bar every single week, and especially in that conference? Well, I think it's a new age uh, with young men and, and young athletes, and uh, there's a lot of things going on in the world where you got to make sure that you're, you're doing things the right way. So for us and myself, we try to treat our players well. Uh, you know, when you lose, you can't get on them too much. You've got to be positive. you got to build on the good things they did and just try to correct the, the mistakes they made in a very positive and optimistic way. And when they win – You've got to be able to uh, maintain that same desire. But I just think it's about how you handle people, uh, how you work with them. I think our guys know, hey, we're here for them. Uh, you know, as coaches, really our just job is to help them become the best team they can become. It's really their team, and we're just trying to kind of guide them in the right direction. And I think, you know, from our staff, myself all the way down, you know, we're going to take the blame when we make, make some losses and make some mistakes, and we're going to try to fix that first, and then we'll get to the players and – it's just a team effort, but you've got to really treat people the right way and, and really be there for them in tough times and make sure that they know that you care for them. I can appreciate that. So before you go, you've got this great opportunity again. You've got Ohio State, and you touched on this, but when you have an opponent like that and you know they've got a ton of talent and you know they're deep and you know they're well-coached, when you look at them on tape, what concerns you the most about the Buckeyes? What's the biggest challenge? Well, there's a lot of things that concern us. You know, They're very talented. They're big and physical and athletic up front, which is going to be – the biggest challenge for us and then they have great skill to go with it i think for us you know when we play in those type of games uh you know some of the things you have to do is i i don't think you can just beat them doing what you normally do i think you've got to change things up a little bit i think you've got to be even more aggressive i think you have to take more chances in all three segments offense defense special teams and you know it may not work uh and you may lose but at the same time you may catch them off balance you may gain some momentum during the game and those are just small things we try to incorporate and do and if we have a little luck with it and normally we can get in that second half and have a chance. But uh, I, we always have a little bit different of an approach when you're playing really, really talented teams that probably are uh, you know, a favorite and, and feel like they can really win. We've got to just change things up and be a little different. Hey, Jeff, really quickly, you played Ohio State as a player at Louisville. What do you remember about going into their house and dealing with the Buckeyes and dealing with the elements in that house? That's a hostile, tough place to play. Well, it is. It's a great venue, and, uh, you know, they pack it in there. And uh, not only do they have great talent and great uh, support from the fans, but, uh, you know, they're always a big, imposing team. So sometimes when you when you take the field, you got to make sure you guys understand, and, uh, you know, you've got to get that confidence up and not uh, have any fear or, or, or doubt about what you can possibly do if you do things the right way. We were able to play in close as a player and have a chance to win. We went for it. Um, went for two when we scored for the win back before overtime. and didn't get it, but uh, we had a chance. And I just think it's it's a mental thing as much as physical because when you go in there, they're going to be imposing and they're going to look the part. And uh, you, know, you just got to be uh, aggressive and confident in your approach. 
could ask you one last thing. You've had a chance to work with some really good quarterbacks. You've coached some really good quarterbacks, including the legend that is now Mike White. He was your QB at Western Kentucky. <laughs> you obviously are busy with your own team. I know this, but what was it like to see him get that opportunity and to light up the Bengals a couple of weeks back the way he did? Well, it was great to see because Mike uh, did a great job for us when, when we coached him. And, uh, you know, he's, he's got a lot of poise. Uh, you know, he's a pocket passer. Uh, he'll find the check down. He's really smart. He doesn't force things. Uh, you know, his personality really fits that position. And really being a backup who step in when the starter gets injured, he really just has that perfect personality uh, to, to carry that role. But I was really happy for him. He did a great job. Uh, he hung in there. You know, he's played well. Uh, he's just a great young man. So half the time, it's more the mental makeup and their character as much as their ability, and he definitely has that. Jeff, I lied. There was one more thing I wanted to ask you about. You, while you did play seven years in the NFL, you were originally a seventh-round pick, right, of the Montreal Expos, and then a fourth-round pick of the Indians, and you played a couple of years of minor league baseball. What were you like as a baseball player, and what was your biggest takeaway from those years of professional baseball? Well, I tell you what, something that as I look back on it, uh, I might have I might have chose that route uh, because I just you know what back then I didn't know much about the baseball draft and how it worked, and I was a, a football guy growing up, but uh, had a chance to play it, and really was just fortunate. You know, my first couple years, uh, I was on the same team with Jim Tomei and Manny Ramirez, and uh, a lot of great talent, and uh, I was really kind of playing part time, going to school and, and playing football, and I just didn't didn't have the same love for the game as I did football playing the quarterback position. But as you look back on it now and uh, the less hits you take and the, the longer you can play and all the money you can make, I probably should have chose that baseball route. Holy bleep, Jeff. Like, I'm trying to let you go, but you shouldn't say interesting things like that because it's my job to follow. I have to know, what was Man Ram, Manny Ramirez, like back then? Well, I, I was I was fortunate. You know, he was a freak of nature talent, uh, you know, as you – as you go around and, and, you, and you hit the ball and you think you know how to hit pretty good, you think you've seen some good hitters, uh, there was nobody that had bad speed like Manny Ramirez. I mean, when he was in batting practice, uh, you know, he wouldn't even have to loosen up. He would get out there and hit it, and the ball would go a mile, and it would pop off that bat like no other. Now, he wasn't the greatest outfielder, and he wasn't the greatest fielder, but I've never seen anybody with bat speed and bat control like him, and I think that's why he was so great. He just was a natural at it. Uh, and while he was a hard worker, it just really became natural for him. And uh, even Jim Tomey was kind of the opposite. He was a kind of a late bloomer. He was a low-round pick. His first couple of years, he struggled. And all of a sudden, after a couple of years in the minors, you, you, you kind of just saw it, it, it went full circle. He changed and just started – it clicked for him. He started bombing that ball, and then he became an awesome player himself. So, really, I was just lucky to play with him, and uh, they were great athletes and uh, really natural baseball players. And Tomey, what a, what a humble dude, too, right? What a great guy. Great, great guy, given the things that he accomplished and what he did. I, I love what you said about Manny. And Manny, that's overlooked with Manny. Manny was such a character, but he had a great work ethic. I mean, he worked at it hard. Jeff Rob, I better let you go, or I'm just going to keep following you around and keep asking you questions. you got Purdue at Ohio State on Saturday. Purdue is having another big year. Jeff, great to have you back on the show. Thank you so much. Good luck this weekend. Okay, thank you, Jim. Take care. So let me drop some numbers on you. Scary numbers. Two out of three men will experience some form of hair loss by the time they are 35. More than 50 million men in the U.S. suffer from male pattern baldness, and there are only two FDA-approved medications that can prevent hair loss. Keeps offers both. So why don't we talk for a minute about Keeps? Keeps offers a simple, stress-free way to keep your hair. Convenient virtual doctor consultations and medications delivered right to your door every three months so you do not have to leave your home. And low-cost treatments starting at only 10 bucks per month and Keeps offers generic versions. On top of that, discreet packaging and proven results. Keeps has more five-star reviews than any of the competition. But here's something you got to keep in mind. Prevention is key. Treatments can take four to six months to see results, so you want to move on this right now. If you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to keeps.com slash Rome. Get your first month of treatment for free. That's keeps.com slash Rome. And get your first month free, keeps.com slash Rome. The NFL was pretty painful last night. In fact, it wrecked us with that flag fest. However, the association picked us up last night. In fact, a monster night around the NBA. And really no convenient place to start. So let me just bounce around and cover some of this ground. 
an epic night in the association, but there's not going to be an epic night that's complete without Steph being Steph. And last night, we all got to witness some vintage Steph Curry. Steph going off against the Atlanta Hawks. Steph going supernova yet again. Steph was starving. Steph was starving, and he ordered up a room service 50-burger. 50-piece. He was going to get it. He was resolute. He was going to keep trying. Finally got that floor to go down. Yeah, Draymond gave the foul. Fitty piece. You hear that? He finally got that floater to go down. I could have swore right before it. He got off a, hey, Jim Rome. Finally got that floater to go down. Hey, Jim Rome. Hey, Steph Curry. Hey, Steph Curry. Hey, Steph. Just keep shooting that floater. It's going to fall. A man's game? Hell yeah. For you especially. It's a fitty piece. 50 points, 10 assists, 7 boards, and a rally from 15 down, man. Freaking Steph. Now the oldest player ever to post a 50-point, 10-assist game. I would love to say that's surprising. I would love to say that's weird. I would love to say that's shocking. I would love to say it's new, but it's not. What I won't do, though, is say that it's old. Watching this dude shred NBA defenses into tattered, raining confetti will never be anything but awesome. That will never get old. That will never get stale. It'll never be anything other than the best entertainment that the hoops or hoops has to offer. Man, I love this guy. I cannot believe this guy is still doing this at that level. Steve Kerr. Even Steve Kerr put it perfectly after the game. You know, he's amazing. I you know, I want to say I've never seen anything like it, but I've been watching it for seven years. So I, I have seen something like it. Um, and still, it's, it's, it's just incredible to watch. I've never seen anything like it. Steve did run with Mike. Steve did run with Scott. Steve has been coaching Steph. And he still sang. And this is not a guy prone to hyperbole. It's Steve Kerr. Yeah, yeah, Mike probably didn't like that. Mike probably heard Steve Kerr say, I've never seen anything like it. To which Mike probably said, that's bleeping bull bleep. But that's what made Mike Mike. Mike was running on that fuel. Anyway, the entire deal was right there. Like, we've never seen anything like this, except for all the times that Steph has already shown it to us. And the amazing thing about Steph is it feels like the first time all over again. Like before that game, Kerr explained that he's actually been getting in Steph's way so far this season because he's still experimenting with different lineups and rotations. Therefore, he is limiting Steph's minutes to keep him as fresh as possible. So to recap, Steph is still finding his rhythm. The Warriors are still figuring out their rotations Clay is still rehabbing his Achilles, and Golden State is 9-1. They're on a five-game winning streak. They've got the best record in the NBA. So, the dubs are back is a gross understatement. It's not even accurate, really. They're not all the way back, and yet right now, they're still as scary as anybody in the NBA. Speaking of scary, Nikola Jokic, the reigning MVP, is a giant Right, We already know this. And a giant problem, and we know that as a player. But the scary part is dude's temper. And when it shows up, it is scary. And it showed up again last night. The Joker went full Joker, and unfortunately, it's becoming something of a pattern. The Nuggets held a 17-point lead with two and a half minutes left in Miami. It was in hand. It was done. And then for some reason... This happened. Oh my, Jokic just clobbered Marquise Morris from behind. Wow. Well, that might cost Jokic a game and some money. And now, Jimmy Butler in the middle of things. Ooh. Oh, things are turning ugly here. Oh, Marquise Morris is hurt. In all of this, Morris is still on his back. 
Why did Jokic go after Morris? Well, let's see how this whole thing began. You see the, the bump by Morris and then that. Oh, my. All right, so he fouled him. And then Jokic cheap shots him. That's a nasty cheap shot by a great player. Pretty much. That's fair. That was a hard foul by Markeith Morris. It was. But a flat-out cheap shot by the Joker. Joker hit him so hard that the other Morris twin felt it. And then the other Morris twin tweeted, and I quote, Waited till bro turned his back. SMH noted. End of tweet. As I mentioned, I like those guys. I wouldn't mess with those guys. I like the Joker. I wouldn't mess with his fam. Looks to me like we've got a giant brother battle royale coming together. Remember the last time the Joker lost his head and then took a cheap shot and got run? That was the last game of the Nuggets game last season. The night they got swept by the Suns in the West Semis. If you remember that night, you might remember the Jokic brothers in the stands wanting all the smoke. Those dudes are scary, man. They ain't playing. They still want all the smoke. Because in response to the Marcus Morris tweet, the bros figured out how to make an account of their own. If this is, in fact, their account. All right? If this is their account. If. I'm just saying. I don't know. At Jokic Brothers tweeted this. At Mook Morris 2. You should leave this the way it is instead of publicly threatening our brother. Your brother made a dirty play first. If you want to make a step further, be sure we will be waiting for you. Jokic Brothers. Again, brother. I need to see a verified blue check. I don't think that the bros could get that verified blue check quickly enough. But if in fact it was them, they couldn't get that response up quickly enough. There's Twitter beefs, and then there's that. So that might be peak NBA Twitter if it's legit. And peep at that November 2021 join date on that account. That's a fresh handle created to get that message across. Again, it could be any moron, any egg, any idiot. It may not be legit. It could be fake. But then again, it sounds like them, doesn't it? Not that it would be hard to sound like them. I could create that account and write that myself. But it did sound like them. So you got that. And you may have Darren Williams and Frank Gore also in the ring. It could be that. I don't know, man. We got to find a way for Jimmy Butler to get a spot on that card, too. Because maybe the best part of the entire scrap last night was my dude James Buckets shouting at the Nuggets bench in the aftermath. Because you know Jimmy ain't having that. Kind of goes back to Stephon Diggs saying, man, I ain't taking any of that bleep in practice from anybody. Jimmy ain't taking bleep from anybody, anywhere, at any time. Of course, Jimmy was challenging the seven-footer to take it outside. Jimmy was saying repeatedly, quote, bring your ass to the back. Bring that bleep to the back. Like, that was buckets. Saying that to a seven-footer. Bring your ass to the back. In other words, I'll see you outside. Let's do this right now. That's what this guy was screaming over and over again at the bench, reportedly. He wanted to go outside right then and there. And I don't think anybody anywhere would doubt that he wasn't serious when he said that. I'm not sure he was thinking about the possibility of the Joker's brothers being back there as well. But I don't think he'd really care. I think Buckets would be waiting outside looking to gouge them each for 20 bucks a cup and then beat all their asses at the same time. So this this bears watching. I'm sure that's not the end of that. However, if you think that I'm just here to talk about that, you're wrong. There were some other amazing things that happened. You want to talk about legend. The legend of John Morant. 
continues to grow every single day. Last night, Jaw and the Grizz were caught in a 14-point hole against Minnesota with five and a half left. You know, not the 17-point hole that the previous were in with two and a half left, but five, five and a half left, 14 down. And then Jaw said, nah, here he is driving, dunking, posterizing, and tying that game up almost single-handedly in the final minute. One minute remaining in regulation. Morant off the bounce. Oh! Jaw, man, how much money would you pay to watch that guy play? I would. Every night of the week. He's going shades of Steph. He's putting the Grizz ahead with a deep step back three right here. And now with a chance for the lead. Morant against Towns. Jaw, three for the lead. Bingo! Oh my goodness! I mean, sweet. Speaking of Towns, Cat throws up a prayer at the buzzer. No way he called bank either, but it didn't matter because that still went down from half court to force OT because, of course. Reed gets it to Towns, lets it fly from deep. Oh, oh my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Cats land on their feet, and Towns somehow banks that in. Some Jerry West bleep right there from half court. Memphis bounces back to handle their business in the extra period. And that was nice. Same thing the Lakers did, but barely. Because L.A. implodes again with the Hornets in town. They blew another double-digit fourth-quarter lead. And like MNF, barely watchable. But unlike MNF, I don't have anything more to say about the Lakers right now. Normally I would. Normally I do. Normally that's my thing. They're right up the street from me. I'm a SoCal guy, but I'm just not feeling it right now. Because I know there's going to be so much more of that, where that came from. It's going to be a long regular season. And if they don't really give a damn about it right now, neither do I. Honestly, back to the Morris thing. That, that I do care about. Joker v. Morris. Jokic is v. Morris is. I honestly thought that Morris died on the floor. It was that vicious. Well, maybe not. He's tough. But normally any duo involving Jimmy and Udonis, I'm talking Jimmy and Udonis, I'm taking those two. Like, you know Udonis does not give two bleeps. This is what he's here for. He'll tell you. Maybe on the court, off the court. I'm going to say I don't want any part of the Jokic brothers. I'm not sure. In fact, I'm, I'm shocked these guys don't end up on the court. When stuff like that goes down. What I'm saying is this. You want to talk about an episode of Family Feud. I don't think you've got these two families at their respective desks. All dressed up. Answering questions. Where a hundred people are surveyed and are asked. Uh, what would your woman say if she came home and found bleep in the bed? No, no, it's none of that. You want to talk about a family feud. How about the Morrises and the Jokic's? Holy crap. I'm not even sure my man Steve Harvey could officiate that family feud. Something a burglar would not want to see when he breaks into a house. Rob. Naked grandma. Naked, huh? Name something a burglar would not want to see when he broke into a house. I don't know, a 12-gauge? Something a, a burglar would not want to see when he breaks into a house. A dog? Uh, naked grandma! Naked grandma! That is part of the famous jungle family feud fail compilation. During what months of pregnancy does a woman begin to look pregnant? September. Something a burglar would not want to see when he breaks into a house. Name part of the telephone. The bottom part. Name an animal with three letters in its name. Alligator. Something Russia's famous for, Bob. Russians. Name something you might buy that could turn out to be phony. A horse. Apartment in a supermarket. Lingerie. Name something you wouldn't want the police to find in the trunk of your car. It tickles. (laughs) Aside from a house or a car specifically, 
What is the most expensive thing you own? Wendy? A car. Incredible. I mean, the guy couldn't have said that any more slowly. Aside from a house or a car, what is the most expensive thing you own? A car! A moron. Aside from a house or a car, what is the most expensive thing you own? A naked grandma! So let me ask you something, and you tell me, does this sound familiar? You've got that one device that allows you to catch the game live, and then another that lets you stream your favorite shows, and you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbors, best friends, dads, moms, login for all the good stuff. Yet, let me tell you a better way, a simple way to get all of that entertainment that you love without all that hassle, and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorite together like never before so you can watch all your favorite sports movies and shows in one place that means no more juggling remotes no need to buy another device ever again and the very best part there is no annual contract get rid of the clutter and the confusion get your tv together with direct tv stream you can learn more at directtv.com that's directtv.com Compatible device required. Content varies by package. We are joined by Stefan Diggs. Stefan, good to have you on the program. How are you? I'm awesome. Thanks for having me on, big guy. I appreciate it. Dude, so good to have you. It's great to hear your voice. You sound great. All right, so we will get we will get to that stuff that you're here to talk about. You have my word. I want to ask you about Sunday. Kind of a tough day. The Jags shocked the Bills 9-6. I'm kind of curious. Like, anything can happen on any given Sunday. I get that. How are you living, and how did you personally go about processing that loss? Yeah, I definitely had to take some time back just to, you know, uh, really evaluate the process, evaluate the week and how it went. Um, I try not to get too down on it because it is we do live in a league of um, any given Sunday as we watched across the league. It wasn't just us. A lot of teams got shocked. Uh, I feel like just in just in uh, farming your own land uh, way, we really had to look back at the process, especially just me always kind of, you know, look at myself and look at things I could have done better and things that I could do better um, just to help my team out and put them in the best position to win. So for me, uh, just kind of taking that step back and looking at it from another lens and just saying, okay, okay, maybe we should do this or maybe we should approach things this way. Um, just solely talking about myself. Um, and I just kind of continue to continue to be that, uh, that positive energy and that positive force for my team as far as like, um, I feel like I consider myself uh, not only a captain, but really a guy that leads his team the best way he can. So I just got to uh, continue to try to push and continue to, you know, grind it each and every day and be uh, be the example. Stefan Diggs joining us. You know, that point that you just made about I, I have to remain a positive force in that locker room. And that's one of the things I'm here to do. I thought it was interesting. You took to Twitter and you said, quote, LOL, don't at me anything negative. All positivity here. So my question for you, as somebody on Twitter, I know how this goes. Did they do as they were told, or did they do what they do and thumb out whatever the hell they wanted? As we know, as we know, Twitter is a place of uh, as a place of freedom. So you know they kind of do whatever they want to. But it was more geared to. uh, I guess I don't really know what's going on with my last team. But I actually I, I keep getting a lot of like uh, tidbits of things that are were going good or not going good over there. So I'm like, damn, just leave me out of it. I have nothing to do with it. And, you know, like people kind of uh, I don't know. I think people were trying to say that I was right or say I was like, listen, I have nothing to do with that. It's just, you know, leave me out. I'm over here trying to worry about what we got going on over here. So it's like, yeah. My my point of emphasis was just leave me out of it. Like I don't got no say so. I don't have no, I don't have anything to do with it. You know what I'm saying? So I just try to keep it all positive. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm big on positivity. So I try to keep everything positive and I wish them well. You know, that's really interesting you said that. I'm glad that you said that like that because, for instance, when you win as a team and you lose as a team, whatever it is, right, it's always as a team. And you had some numbers this past weekend. You had six passes that you caught for 85 yards, but you tweeted, quote, bleep, don't be having nothing to do with me and my name is still getting brought up. That's interesting. Like, that that had nothing to do (laughs) with your current team. You're talking about your former team and what people were dragging you into, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I was just like, I was confused. I'm like, it's damn like, well, how, how am I even still being mentioned in the situation? I have, I haven't been there in two years and I'm just like, damn, like I, you know, I'm always, I'm always a positive guy and I kind of let things roll on my back, but I'm like, damn, like, where is this even come from? They're not even talking about the loss. Like I'm even more mad about the loss and I'm hearing about some stuff that they got going. I'm like, it's damn. 
That's wild. Stefan Diggs joining us. You know, it's really interesting. Like, like you're like, hey man, I turned the page already. Y'all need to do <laughs> the same to. thing, right? I'm trying to. I'm trying to. You, I don't know. I don't know what's going on over there. But uh, no, I hope. I hope. I hope for the best for him. I want to ask you one more thing. Like, you posted something on Instagram that I thought was really interesting. You wrote, "I wish that keeping it real was contagious." Like, my question for you, yeah. like, why isn't it? Is it just a matter of either you are or you aren't? Like, you can't catch it. You can't share it. Either you are or you aren't. <laughs> I, I actually, it's, just, uh, it's lyrics from the song um, Young Thug had just dropped. It was contagious, a song. So I don't, I, those aren't really my words, but it was definitely ap- applicable to uh, to my photo. But as far as, like, people keeping it real, I, this, is a, this is the world we live in. I, uh, I don't think the real world is any type of real. I just think it's just a world that we live in, and we got to take it for what it is. Oh, I like that, too. So let me flip that <laughs> on its head really quickly, man. Like, if if that's the way it is, is being fake contagious? Yeah, I guess, I guess actually we live in a world that's, you know, you, you get by by being fake, I guess. You know what I'm saying? Being real, you actually might be a little bit faced under a little bit more scrutiny. So I just try to play the backside, stay out of the way of everything that takes place and just kind of play the wall. <laughs> I like that, dude. Man, you just play the wall and just keep it positive. Stefan Diggs is joining yeah. us. Let me ask you, I love your team. I love your team and yeah. I love the culture of this team. I love the defense too. Let me ask you this because I've talked to so many guys on the defensive side of the ball. You've got pros over there, especially in the secondary with the likes mm-hmm. of Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer, Tredavious White. What's it like to go up against those guys in practice on the daily? And do you all make each other better? Is that a classic case of iron sharpening iron? Yeah, it's like um, it's kind of it's kind of built into what, what what what's going on here. I guess like just as far as I like would our head coach, our head coach has us do one on ones on Wednesdays and Thursday. And I, he probably would do Friday if he could. But uh, I think that just breeds a level of competition each and every day of you know what regardless of how you feel you need to go compete at a high level and only way that you can compete at a high level is going one-on-one matchups and and you can see uh jordan jordan poyer or micah Hyde. they'll even come out there and check me one a couple of times on one-on-ones just for the you know just for the uh just to get better and you can see that each and every day like we're, we're not a team of complacency we're not a team that you know we're never we're never satisfied so i feel like having those veteran guys Definitely puts us in a, at a at a good spot, uh, team wise, just as far as like approaching each and every day. And I kind of like I kind of like uh, make sure I try to be that same example, just more on the offensive side of the ball. And I damn sure don't take no shit in practice. So it be, it's be between me and the DBs each and every day. We talk a lot of trash, but it's a it's a lot of love at the end of the day. And we always we always more on the motivating and trying to get better, like a humble approach. Stefan, you damn don't take no bleep anywhere. So I like talking <laughs> to you, man. It's good to have you. So let me ask you, you know, some guys are like bright lights, big city. Buffalo's not necessarily that, but Buffalo <laughs> is such a great town, though, dude, right? It's a great, like every yeah. bill that I've ever spoken to loves it. I'm really curious, from your standpoint, you've got a tremendous football town. You've got a crazy, rabid fan base. You put mm-hmm. up insane numbers last year. What's it like for you to live and work in that town and play for the Bills? It's awesome. It's, I mean, everybody's Bills fan. So it's more like a, I mean, I never had it in college, but I can imagine how college is like when it's a football town and it's all about football. So, uh, I mean, I love it. I feel like it's something that, you know, guys, guys kind of, kind of, uh, always will have like guys who played here previously who say the best fan base is, is Buffalo because it is, you know what I'm saying? They really love, they really love their players and they really give it everything. They got good, bad, good or bad, you know what I'm saying? Win, lose or draw. Buffalo Buffalo Bills fans are one loyal and two, they don't take no bleep either. So uh, I love them. <laughs> they don't. I'm gonna ask you about Snickers as soon as I ask you about Lil Bro. I just want to ask you this because Dallas yeah. is coming off a rough day. They lost to Denver, but your brother Trayvon is having an enormous season with the Cowboys. I think folks yeah. sleep on this. Like I am personally blown away that not only are you both in the league, but that you both made it and are playing at such a high level. What's <laughs> it like for you to watch Lil Bro doing his thing in Dallas and making a name for himself? It's, I mean, I don't, I, I really wish a lot of more, well, more people could experience something like this. I don't really even think I've, I really feel it to its totality like my mom probably does. But for me, I just feel like, um, I feel more proud than anything. And I feel like in a, in a space of euphoria of just like God's, God's, God's amazing. Like things like this don't happen by chance. And just to see my brother playing at an extremely high level is something that you believe in. You believe in your siblings anyways. Like my if my brother told me he wanted to be an astronaut, I would have been behind him hundred percent. The fact that he wants to do that he wants to play the same sport that I wanted to play. He wanted to play at a high level and he wanted to have success and he worked for it. It's something that you kind of see a maturation process, not even 
not really happened overnight. It took time for him. And to see him having some success, I always knew he had it in him. And it's like, yeah, like uh, to yourself, you can say, like, I always knew you had it in you. But for me, I just I just always want to uh, want to push it forward. So to see him having success, I just you can ask my teammates how only one day of the week I'll say, how about them Cowboys? But other than that. You know what I'm saying? His go, Bills, go. Well, I guarantee they understand that, too. they got to respect that. It's an amazing story. Yeah, All right, so you are working with Snickers on the Snickers Rookie Mistake of the Year program. Take your time. Lay that out for me. What's the campaign? Well, How does that work? Snickers. I partner with Snickers to reward fans for sharing their rookie mistakes. You know, we all have rookie mistakes. Uh, it's actually on my IG and in, and also on Snickers' IG. Uh, fans can submit their rookie mistakes at Snickers at Rookie at SnickersRookieMistakes.com to win tickets to Super Bowl 56. So uh, you want to go to L.A., you want to have a good time, make sure you submit those rookie mistakes because we all have had them. We all have them. Every last one of us. He is a Buffalo Bills wide receiver. They're 5-3. and three. They're at the Jets and having another big year. Great energy and appearing courtesy of Snickers. Stefan, I appreciate you very much, man. Great to have you on the show. Thank you so much. That was Thanks, fun. Big. Thanks, big guy. I appreciate it. We are joined by Chris Harris, Jr. Chris, it is so good to have you back. How are you? Hey, Jim, thanks for having me. Dude, great to have you. Appreciate it, Chris, so much. You know, it wasn't necessarily pretty, but it was necessary. You go across the country, you find a way to grind out a win in a hostile environment in Philadelphia. How gratifying then was it to dig in and find a way to get it done and get back to Cali with a dub? Man, it's always hard to win on the road and to be able to, I mean, you know, we pretty much went across the world, you know, uh, on a road trip, you know. So it's definitely hard to win and uh, to be able to come out of there uh, with a tough opponent uh, to get a victory, man. It's always it's always great. That is a long trip. That's a long way to go. You definitely want to win that game yeah. if you're going to go that far. You know, yesterday, Chris, I was talking to Colts Kenny Moore the second about the complexities of the slot corner position. Why don't we just jump right into this? You're one of the best yeah. ever, ever to do it in that spot, but you're also that rare corner that can excel on the outside as well. Which spot do you like better and which presents the bigger week-to-week yeah. challenge, inside or outside? Oh, it's definitely more of a challenge in the inside, especially uh, it really depends on what system you're in. Uh, I love Kenny Moore's game. He's great. I think he's probably one of the uh, – he's probably probably taking that throne uh, from me uh, as the top slot guy right now, uh, just passing it to him. But uh, just me having to play every different technique, taking away the middle of the field. Quarterbacks love that middle of the field now, Jim, so – uh, it's important to have a great guy inside that can take away that inside. Dude, I like that. I like the way you actually kind of pass the baton to him. That's game-recognizing game right there, Chris Harris Jr. However, you've got a lot still ahead of you. I know that. You're preparing for the Vikings this week, which means you're going to face one of the more dangerous receiving core in the league. You've been around long enough to know that, hey, listen, you're going to get, after, get up for anybody you've got to get up for regardless, but does it add any extra juice to your week knowing that you've got a matchup challenge like the one that's coming up, the one they present? Oh, yeah. I mean, every week we got tough receivers, and that's just part of being part of the AFC West. You know, we're all – it's always uh, nice receivers every week. And um, just going against Thielen in the past and uh, Kirk Cousins, uh, there have always been tough battles. But we're really excited now. We don't have to face a scrambling quarterback right now like how we faced uh, the past couple of weeks, man. We've been able to face these quarterbacks that are very dynamic uh, runners and throwers. How much more challenging is that, Chris, when you got guys that are that dynamic, they can extend plays the way they do? Can you kind of finish that thought? What makes yeah. that so tough and challenging? Oh, uh, well, you have to cover longer. Uh, the scramble drills that you have to do, uh, be able to, like, flash down the receivers. Uh, also, you know, you can have great coverage, and then they can just make plays with their legs and be able to uh, extend drives and uh, be able to, uh, you know, uh, add that effect to secondary. That a lot of times we'll be in zero uh, a little bit more just because you got to add that second. You got to add that extra man for that quarterback. So they force you to play eleven on eleven. Well said, Chris Harris Jr. is joining us. I thought you made a statement recently that summed up Week Nine perfectly. "Quote: It's a roller coaster league. It could be up one week. It could be down the next week. I just learned that each week, either you're getting humbled or you're doing the humbling." End of quote. I mean, is there anything more true right now about the National Football League than what you just said? It's going to be you or it's going to be the other guy, but somebody is definitely going to get humbled every single week. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the challenge of the league is that every week you got to bring it. you got a new opponent that you got to uh, lock in on. And um, 
every every week you get to show yourself improved, and um, uh, that's the that's why you that's why you play the game is that challenge. Uh, you know, every week. That's why you get up and go to work every day, Jim. You got that challenge that you want to be the greatest. Uh, on, on the airways, and that's the same thing week to week in the NFL. It's something like that. Something like that, except I've got no game for what you do, but something like that. You're right. you got to get up every single day because you know what, man? You go back to zero, right, every single day. you got to start over every single day. The good news about what you do and what I do, no matter how crappy we are today, we have a chance to be great tomorrow, but the downside is no matter how great we are today, Chris, we have a chance to be crappy tomorrow, right? I think that's what you're saying. Oh, yeah, but, I mean, hey, you just got to take every day with that same attitude, same positive attitude, and uh, attack it. So regardless, uh, if you get the humble or, the, or you're doing the humbling, you still want to have that effort. So that's something that I always try to always try to preach in my mind is always bring that effort, that dog mentality, and uh, you, you should have some good results. Yeah, 100%. Chris Harris Jr. joining us. Yeah. If you have that dog mentality every single day and you're consistent in that approach, good things are going to happen, which brings me to the next point. You and I have talked so many times over the years, but if I were to revisit this one key point, I mentioned, of course, that you come out of Kansas. You're a legend coming out of Kansas, but you go undrafted. Obviously, that was a major oversight by 32 GMs. You've proven every decision maker in the league wrong. You got over. You were right. They were wrong. So my question is, do you still carry that chip with you onto the field, or is it all ancient history, and now are you just looking to prove people right? Oh, yeah, that's something. That's me. You always got to carry that chip on your shoulder and continue to prove yourself every day in this league. And uh, that's what you got to do, man. You got to be able to still have that mentality. And I do. I carry that with me and try to attack every day with uh, great effort and still have that mentality that uh, I'm I, I came in the league and that's how I'm going to stay in the league. So uh, that's just the mentality that's brought me here to 11 years, man. I love that. I love that you still have that day in and day out, even 11 years in. Chris Harris Jr., my guest. You know, you mentioned the AFC West. Big talking point this week is how wide open that division is right now. And it's true. All four teams in the West have five wins. And this thing is completely up for grabs halfway through the season. I know you're worried about your team. I know you're only worried about what you can control. But as the thing shakes up right now, who do you think is the team to beat in the AFC? Is there any separation at this point? In the West, I mean. In the West. I think everybody can be beat in, uh, in division and in the AFC. So uh, I don't think nobody's clearly separated themselves. And uh, we'll see as we go. I always say the real football starts in November, December. So we'll see in these months what teams separate themselves. But we feel good about where we're at, uh, being fairly healthy. healthy. And then uh, Herbert is uh, getting back going. So we, we feel great. Uh, at the uh, point where we're at right now uh, as leading the ASU All right, so Chris, if the real football starts come November, like what changes for you? Is there, is there anything, is there a change in mentality? Is there a change in your process? Is there a change in the way you go about it? When the calendar hits November, what does that do to you? Uh, the, just the games get bigger and bigger, you know. Uh, every game counts, but the games really start counting more at the end. So, you know, as you get in the season, everybody kind of understands what to do. And uh, you still got to go out there and win. So uh, football gets tighter. Uh, the coaches, everything gets tighter. The uh, your mistakes get tighter. So uh, you got to be able to um, bring that, bring your game to another level once it comes to the end of the season. Chris Harris Jr. joining me for a few more moments. I'm curious. Now you and I used to talk back when you got your start with the Broncos. You joined the Broncos at the same time as Von Miller back in 2011, and he, of course, yeah. came in as the number two pick overall. You came in undrafted, but you both made enormous marks on that defense and that franchise. Now he has followed you to SoCal. How do you think he's going to fare down here with the Rams? Yeah. I think he's going to love it, man. It's definitely a great place, you know, um, coming out here and live, man. And uh, I think he's going to fit great with Aaron Donald and them. So, you know, it's, uh, it's a great opportunity for him to uh, just be on a winning team and uh, have a chance to uh, go to the playoffs. So that's all we wanted, man. We've been, we've been, uh, we had a, a long struggle after the Super Bowl of getting back, but uh, just to be able to come – you know, play with a guy like Justin Herbert, you know, for him to come play with Aaron Donald, Ramsey, and uh, Stafford. So it's just the opportunity that we, we wanted. Hey, Chris, you mentioned, like, it was a long struggle to get back. Like, when you're in it, do you just assume, like, hey, man, this is not going to be the one and only time? 
or when you're in it, do you have any idea how hard it was to get there and that nothing's guaranteed and you might not make it back? Uh, I know, man. Uh, we, when we first got there, we won five straight division titles. So, you know, me and Vine used to always say, we could, uh, we, we'll love this. We kind of got um, used to just winning every year. And uh, it was just hard uh, uh, taking that, getting us back after the Super Bowl, man, after Peyton retired. So now you know. You know what it takes. You've been there. Do you feel like this is a group that can make that deep run? Does this feel like a team that has what it takes to get all the way back? Oh yeah, definitely. I'm I'm uh I'm definitely excited about what we can do. Uh we haven't reached our potential at all and uh peaked yet as a team. So I think uh Coach Staley keeps growing, uh, Herbert keeps growing, defense continue to um continue to uh, grow each week. Uh we definitely have a chance to make some noise for sure. Hey, Chris, really We're gonna about... be in the thick of it. Yeah, right. Sure. Yeah, I was gonna say, what about Staley? Like you said, he continues to grow. We're talking about a really young guy, he's got a ton of energy from the outside. I don't know, I'm not living with it, but from the outside it seems like this is a guy who leads from the front with a totally unique energy and coaching style. The kind of guy that guys would want to play for. That's just my assumption though. What's it been like to play for him and then how does the rest yeah. of the locker room respond to him, especially the vets? Uh, I think everybody loves him, man. He comes with great energy. Uh, uh, he tells us the truth, exactly what uh, we need to do to win and what's the game plan. Everybody understands uh, what's the game plan and what we need to do to be successful. And, um, shoot, we love him, man. Everybody's loving him so far. And You know, his first year, first time go around. Uh, we've been going to get some excellent coaches. So it's it's always going to be a great battle in this league, for sure. All right, so you've seen everything in that league. You've been around a long time, but you've been really careful about not only wanting to be great on the field, but great off it. Last week, you, last week, you were named the NFLPA Week 8 Community MVP winner. What this means is they uh, honored your work with the homeless community and your Chris Kara's winner handout. What inspired you to take on this particular cause, and what's that about? Uh, just me and my wife, we want to make an impact out here. We know that uh, it was definitely a, a big need out here for the homeless, and you can just see it uh, everywhere, you know, out here. And uh, we just wanted to make an impact and be able to do our part to be able to help them in this hard, uh, hard time, this pandemic, uh, especially um, with, uh, you know, kits and uh, health uh, hygiene things, just keep them uh, afloat as much as we can. That's the Chris Harris winner handout. I appreciate that. Like, no matter what community you're in, I know you're going to give back. Chris Harris Jr., he's a Super Bowl champ, four-time Pro Bowler, good friend of the program, too. Chris, I appreciate you. It's always good to have you on the show, and I appreciate the relationship, man. Thank you so much. Good luck this weekend. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. Good night, now!